0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the water cooler. I'm David Brody. Glad you're with us. It's Thursday, October 15th. I've got one word for you to begin this show Bloviate, as in lots of senators bloviating today at the final day of the amy coney barrett hearing of course we know the definition of bloviate right It, according to webster's at least it means to talk at length especially in an inflated or empty way and look folks that's pretty much how this week ended for democrats empty and deflated they did delay the vote on barrett for a week but come on so what this thing looks signed sealed and delivered the big story though around the water cooler today is censorship that new york post story on hunter biden getting censored by twitter And Facebook, good luck trying to post it, like Kelly McEnany, for example, the White House press secretary who had her personal Twitter account blocked when she posted it. And then the Trump campaign had their Twitter account blocked as well. What in the world is going on? Also, early voting. Americans are already going to the polls. Enthusiasm is up big time in 2020 compared to to four years ago. So who does that help or hurt? We're going to break it all down. First though, to our newsmaker, let's bring in Mercedes Schlapp, senior advisor for the Trump campaign, 2020 campaign. Mercedes, hey, thanks for being here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Well, we gotta start off with this social media censorship of the Hunter Biden story. I mean, can you take us through all of this? Because I know the campaign's Twitter platform was blocked earlier. What's what's the latest, what's the TikTok on that?
0: Well, I gotta tell you something, David. I think that the mere fact that these social media giants can almost take this approach like they do in countries like China, where they could basically decide what's uh, what's a news story or not a news story is outrageous, especially when they're going after not just the Trump campaign and our press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany, but also uh, the New York Post, which we know is a respected uh, publication. They broke this blockbuster story on Hunter Biden uh, where they had one of his emails, basically uh, w- alongside with this advisor on the Burisma uh, advisory board. And they basically saying, looking forward to meeting your father, Joe Biden, and thank you for setting up that meeting. And so, uh, so it's interesting to watch the Biden camp. I mean, it's like they're sweating right now. They literally uh, have not denied the authenticity of the email. They have not denied the fact that they that Joe Biden met with this executive, and so it really raises these questions about the of ultimate corruption coming uh, because of Hunter Biden's very sleazy deals with not only uh, the Ukrainian company Burisma, but also the Chinese business deals that he's had, the Russian deals that he's had. It just raises a huge red flag, and my guess is, is that the mainstream media will likely not even ask Joe Biden a tough question about this.
1: Well, speaking about the mainstream media and tough questions, what do you expect at the town hall, uh, the ABC, NBC kind of competing town halls, uh, Trump versus Biden in, on two separate networks? Uh, what, what do you believe will be what we'll be talking about uh, tomorrow morning on all of this, Mercedes?
0: Well, I think uh, that when it comes to the ABC town hall, if it's anything that we saw with former town halls uh, with Joe Biden, they have a lot of these quote unquote undecided voters that end up being Biden supporters, which we find incredibly troubling. And then when you look at a presidential town hall with president Trump, they find the, the, you know, the toughest anti-Trump people that are quote unquote undecided voters. It shows once again, the incredible media bias of how they have tried every step of the way to stop President Trump and to protect Joe Biden. So look, I hope that ABC will—they'll ask the tough questions of Joe Biden. Will they ask the questions tonight about whether he lied uh, about his dealings with Hunter Biden and Barrisma in, in his involvement in this matter? Are they going to ask Joe Biden the tough questions about court packing where? They kind of dance around this issue. Kamala couldn't answer it during the vice presidential debate, but no one pushed her on it except for the vice president. And then also uh, Joe Biden basically saying that the American people don't deserve to know his answer on packing the court, which would fundamentally change a historic institution, the Supreme Court, so that they can ram through their far left agenda, because that's exactly what Joe Biden has signed up for, which is that of aligning himself with the socialist branch of his party to fundamentally, as they yeah. have said, transform the United States.
1: Mercedes, I wanna ask you about early voting. Uh, so far, at least, records through the roof. I'm not talking about mail-in voting. I'm talking about people lining up as well. I mean, th- this seems like there's a lot of enthusiasm out there. Uh, what What is your sense? What does that mean for the Trump campaign? Because the, the way the New York Times and other media folks are spinning this is that, oh, that means Democrats Uh, are are ready to vote this president out and they say it's two to one Democrat in terms of voter registration and all that good stuff or all that bad stuff, I guess, depends.
0: (laughs) Well, I gotta tell you, I think our ground game is one of the most sophisticated ground games that I've seen in Republican politics. Uh, We've signed up over 2.4 million volunteers. This week alone, we knocked on over 2 million doors, made over 6.5 million phone calls and we've registered more voters in the past seven weeks than we ever did in 2016, especially in states like Pennsylvania. The enthusiasm is real for the president. What you're gonna start seeing, and we're starting to see this already, is that the mainstream media is gonna be starting to push this narrative that the race is over, that Biden is winning, so to demoralize our voters. And I go out there across the country, I've traveled, I think, to almost every single targeted state, and what I see on the ground are active activists, grassroots uh, individuals, people who had never been in politics before, but because they love Donald Trump, because they know what's at stake in this election, they have gotten it involved. They are knocking on doors, they're making phone calls. While Biden is throwing up a lot of money on advertisements, we're focused Mm -hmm. on the ground game and ensuring that we are able to contact these voters, really talk to the undecided voters, and bring them to our side. And in addition to that, President Trump obviously has the busiest campaign trail schedule. I mean, yeah. Joe Biden calls a lid at about 9.30 a.m. while the president has finished his like second rally of the day.
1: Mercedes, I wanna put up a New York Times uh, headline. It's actually an op-ed written by Tom Sedsel. Uh, and here, here it is. It says, Biden is not out of the woods. Unanticipated electoral developments are affecting both presidential campaigns in surprising ways. And it, it talks specifically about uh, some of the concerns the Biden campaign should have when it comes to white working class voters. Uh, is that the key to all of this, especially from the Hisp- uh, not just Hispanics, uh, because that, that's obviously Hispanic Catholic, but white Catholics as well? It, it just seems like they are a make or break uh uh, subset group, if you will, for the Trump campaign?
0: You know, that's that's actually an interesting analysis. Obviously, we're working very hard to reach out to the Catholic voters, to evangelicals uh, in these key states. Uh, we, you know, As you know, we have the Catholics for Trump, the Evangelical for Trump's coalition. They're out in full force. We are talking about the president's strong record of protecting religious liberties, of uh, being the voice and the defender of the unborn. And what the president has done in the last three and a half years to focus on defunding Planned Parenthood. And so our goal is to continue to talk about that message and contrast that with Joe Biden's extreme positions, whether it be his changing his position on the Hyde Amendment, allowing for taxpayer abortions, to supporting late-term abortions, uh, which we know is part of this extreme agenda that the Harris-Biden presidential ticket is pushing. So. We feel that it's not just about the, the Catholics and the evangelicals, the white working class. We feel very strongly we are making inroads with the Latino community, with the black community, many of them who really want to see economic opportunity and empowerment, something that the president has delivered on in the past, something we know the president's working on now to rebuild a strong economy.
1: Mercedes, I want to circle back to the censorship issue I brought up at the top, just to be clear. Do, do you believe that, the, does the Trump campaign believe uh, that Twitter and Facebook are purposely censoring or targeting the Trump campaign?
0: I, I believe yes. The answer is absolutely yes. I think that there are those people within those organizations, uh, which even, you saw Jack Dorsey come out and say that they botched the communication on this, uh, on this article but there is clearly a bias on the fact that they will censor us more than they ever do the left. Let's bring up the Steele dossier. Let's remember that this was a false document that was basically commissioned by the Hillary Clinton campaign that Twitter or Facebook never ever censored. And they allowed this to go on for months and months and months without stopping it. Let's talk about the fact that they allowed for the New York Times story about the president's tax returns, which we know that the New York Times obtained those documents. Uh, the person who gave it to them obviously committed a felony. Uh, it's You can't do that. And yet, they don't care. Twitter and Facebook allowed the story to obviously get spread through social media. And then when it's something about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, you see the censorship, you see the fact that they try to stop this newspaper, try to uh, make it sound like it's shady or not correct, or they they are going to fact-check the story. Give me a break. They never fact-checked check, the Steele dossier. They never fact-checked half of these stories from the New York Times and the Washington Post regarding the Russian hoax, and they should be ashamed of themselves. That's why they deserve to lose their immunity. We need to repeal 230, uh, and that is something that we know that you'll see Republican senators move on shortly.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you because I know Senator Ted Cruz made some comments, and I know Senator Josh Hawley—they want to bring uh, Twitter CEO and basically subpoena him uh, in, in Congress. There, uh, real quick—I got about twenty seconds or so. The Supreme Court. Do you think this is going to the Supreme Court? Do you think we're going to have a decisive uh, result uh, on the morning of November fourth?
0: Look, I really do believe that the enthusiasm on the ground for this president is real. We are. Uh, what you see compared to Joe Biden's campaign, they're barely out in, in force in any of these targeted states or doing these virtual events. They're really not gaining any traction. Yeah. I do think we're gonna win in a landslide. I do think we're ready yeah. to get to that 270. That's the big mark, Thanks, obviously. And we've got several pathways to get there.
1: Appreciate it up against the heartbreak, but always great to see you. We'll be back in a moment.
2: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
1: Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Look, if you listen to evangelicals explain it, they believe Donald Trump has been put in office for such a time as this. They believe it's God ordained. And now with the election just a couple of weeks away, evangelicals are praying up a storm as they pray for a second term as well. Joining me to talk about some of those efforts is former Republican congresswoman woman, and presidential candidate Michelle Bachman from the great state of Minnesota. Congresswoman, thanks for being here.
4: David, it's always a good day when I can be with you. Oh, and in studio too, for sure. <laughs> It's been a
1: while. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit, where where do I even begin? Let's talk with, you know what, President Trump would want us to start with him. I'm sure he would. (laughs) Uh, So tell me about what you think could potentially happen uh, on Election Day. A lot of people are predicting Biden's going to win and a lot of people are predicting Biden's
4: going to win in a landslide. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. The enthusiasm just isn't there anywhere in the country for a Biden-Harris ticket. And now with this bombshell report that came out of all of the emails and all the information on Hunter Biden's computer every day, it's new information about problems with China, problems with Ukraine. It's not going to happen. But talking about President Trump, I think what we're praying into and asking the Lord for is a decisive victory on election night, which there's no reason why we shouldn't have one. People from the likes of Jack Dorsey of Twitter to Mark Zuckerberg of uh, Facebook, they're all trying to manage our expectations and tell us (laughs) that it's completely normal, that we shouldn't have any election result for weeks and weeks and weeks. And they're involved now and invested in this delay campaign Mm -hmm. because they want to run the clock out, they want President Trump to move out of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue on January 20th because what they want more than anything is to win back the White House, and it means literally at all costs, and they've been willing to violate the United States Constitution by having uh, judges and secretaries of state and governors from the various states change election law, which is a violation of the Constitution under Article 1, Section 4. Mm -hmm. Only state legislatures can change election law. But there's really a trifecta that's been put into place, David, and it's this. It's this these radical changes to election law, which weren't done through a, a state legislature, which means they're unconstitutional. That'll be litigated over months, maybe even years. Mm. Um, so you have that. Plus, you've got the tech censorship of Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all the rest. So they are keeping out any information from the marketplace. And then the other thing is you've got cheap by mail voting, and right. that is really that's the whole game. Because you know, in traditional elections, we have persuasion. That's what's really, you're selling a product to mm-hmm. candidates and to political party platforms. And the Republicans have been going down that road of persuasion. The Democrats are focusing on process. And process is completely cheat-by-mail voting.
1: I heard you say cheat-by-mail. Yeah. That's, your, that's a term? Well, I that's heard. what it is. Mm-hmm. That's
4: what it is. It's cheating by mail because, again, um, what they're doing is they're having states just give uns- send unsolicited ballots to everyone's home in a state, whether they solicited them or not. And so like, I'll give you, your, your viewers my example. Yeah. At my house in Minnesota, we had 12 ballots show up at my house. There are two people who live <laughs> in my home. So people could conceivably contact the state of Minnesota and say, 300 people live in my house. Mm. I need to have 300 ballots. And the state of Minnesota would say, sure. Why? Because our Secretary of State had a conversation with himself, and he independently changed voting law in Minnesota two days before the election started. Mm. And so in our state, you don't have to have a witness or a notary. You don't even need to have a postmark. And so you can get ballots in up to eight days after an election. So what that meant is that the Democrats are trying to have chaos and confusion to ensure we won't have an election Mm -hmm. result November 3rd. But that's why so many people like myself have come into Washington, D.C. and in their homes across the United States, mm-hmm. they're praying yeah. because we believe in the power of prayer. We mm-hmm. believe that God has blessed America. And so we're asking God to bless America again in this election and re-elect Donald Trump because he has acted more biblically, even though he's a very unlikely president to do that, yeah. he's actually enacted more things that are truly biblical than any other president I know of, including our beloved Ronald Reagan.
1: I'm sure you could go for a while on some of the prayer initiatives that have been going on in the last few years with this president. Can you give us a sense of what some of what you've been doing, not behind the scenes, but very, very important work as it relates to the faith-based portion of this with the administration and people praying alongside this president?
4: Well, it's true. There's a lot of believers that are very grateful and doesn't matter which political party is in office, they still pray because the Bible says pray for those who are in authority, and that's what we do. No matter if they're, quote, our guy or not our guy, we pray for them. We pray for the country, the economy, the people in the country, the needs that come up in the country. And what we're asking for now, the Bible says when the righteous rule, people who put things into effect that are righteous, the people rejoice. Things go well. It certainly did under President Trump. But when the wicked rule, the people mourn. So if unjust laws go into effect, for instance, or unjust outcomes, then it doesn't go well for people. So we're praying for the righteous to rule.
1: About a minute and a half or so left. I wanna ask you about Minnesota. You're the great state of Minnesota, Um, your state. Uh, The president wants to win Minnesota. What does he have to do to win that state? And I am curious about, Look, the changing demographic in that state. I mean, that that I know there's there's a concern. Ilan Omar has really kind of uh, resonated with certain people in that state, and I'm just wondering what you make of the well, the biggest the challenges concern there. I'll tell
4: you, David, is cheap by mail voting, and it's it's on tape. Any of your viewers can, can go to mm-hmm. ProjectVeritas.org, and it's right there. Mm-hmm. It's actually on tape where Ilan Omar's people are handing somebody $200 in exchange for a single vote. Now it used to be a pack of cigarettes for a vote. Now it's $200. I will tell you, from my perspective, that tells me that you've got foreign influence money, maybe from Qatar or some other country, but there's money passing on the street. So go to projectveritas.org. I think if we get a true vote in Minnesota, Donald Trump will win, no question. It's the cheap by mail voting in Minneapolis, and that's why we're praying. But we also have people, we have to have people go to these polls, watch the polls, look for the funny business. And then call. Call the Republican Party. Call uh, not the Secretary of State's office, because from my perspective, they're in on it. Mm -hmm. But um, I think we can win. And I think the way we do it is, number one, everybody has to vote. So Mm -hmm. vote. Tell everyone in your sphere of influence to vote and actually get out and really do vote. Don't say you voted. Actually vote in person.
1: 30 seconds. So you believe that Minnesota can be a game changer. Because oh, 100 percent. That, that, that That's the...
4: 10 electoral votes. There's no question President Trump can win Minnesota. He is loved in Minnesota, rural Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But elections are stolen in Minneapolis. And we have the proof already on tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't slander. This isn't defamation. Look at Project You'll see it. it's on tape.
1: Michelle Bachman, always great to see you.
4: But I, I, I have great hope and prayer.
1: I'm sure you do. You (laughs) always do, don't you? It's so great to see you. Good to see you, David. All right. I I think of the campaign trail when I see you all the time, presidential campaign trail. All right. When we come back, uh, boy, I tell you what, Twitter, Facebook, they're at it again, as we've been talking about all show. Robbie Starbuck, a filmmaker, director, producer, going to be here to talk about everything that's been going on. And it is nasty. Back in a moment.
3: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery,
1: Welcome back to The Water Cooler. All right, let's delve into this censorship that we've seen on Twitter and Facebook regarding this New York Post story on Hunter Biden's emails. Twitter says they have to fact check the story, right? So until then, they're gonna block it. Give me a break, folks. Look, there's something that doesn't need a fact check, and here's what it is. Hmm. The actual emails, they're in the story. This isn't page six in the New York Post talking about the latest gossip. That's like one page in the paper. They have the emails, for goodness sake, and anyhow, I I, I don't even know what to say anymore. Anyways, for more on all of this, I want to bring in producer, director, filmmaker, political commentator, Robbie Starbuck, who's been shouting from the rooftops about this type of censorship for a very long time. Robbie, thanks for being here. I appreciate it.
5: Thank you so much, David. Happy to be here and expand on exactly what's going on. because This is such a critical subject right now before the election.
1: Yeah, let's, let's expand on it, because you could say, I told you so, right? This is where you say, because you, you've been talking about this for a while. What do you make of this latest provocative act by Twitter and Facebook?
5: You know, uh, saying I told you so, some people would think would feel good, but it really doesn't. I, I would rather the right actions be taken, because uh, what they did essentially just now is I want you to imagine that our press secretary was on the phone discussing uh, a matter critical to national security or, or critical to the president's agenda, and- The phone company, let's say Verizon, just shut her phone off, shut off the call, and then shut off her ability to make other calls for, let's say, 48 hours to teach her a lesson. Essentially put her in timeout and say, you know, we don't like what you were talking about. That's what social media is doing right now. And if you can't see the implications and the danger in that, then you're just not living in this century because our elections can be won and lost on social media. And you could argue in 2016, Trump would not be in the White House right now had he not had the social media just dominance that he had. And what we've had seen since then is big tech planning behind the scenes do everything they can to elect a Democrat in 2020. And that's what they're what you're seeing right now. And I I'd warned as, as recently as five days ago that this was coming. Okay, but we've been warning my wife and I for years about this. And if people think this is bad, that they're censoring the New York Post, third largest paper in print in circulation, This is nothing. What they're going to do on Election Day and after Election Day is is just beyond anything you can imagine.
1: Well, let's break some of that down. I want to get to Election Day in a moment, but you mentioned the word planning, that they they plan this. What do you mean when you say plan? Are you talking about like algorithms, Google searches? Are you talking about people themselves that are making conscious decisions uh, against this president, this administration? What, What exactly are you referring to?
5: Yeah, what's interesting here is, you know, I think the stuff that people can see like them censoring the New York Post story is actually probably just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what the real problems underneath the cover of this could be. And that's that you look at algorithms, you know, there was a whistleblower who was actually a Hillary Clinton supporter, um, Dr. Robert Epstein, not no relation to the other Epstein Um, And he actually showed that Google has the power to flip in the tens of millions of votes just through their algorithms. So Google didn't harness that power in 2016 the way they could have. Now, in 2020, what oversight do we have that Google is not using those algorithms right now to flip this election? We have essentially none, but we can tell you that certain things have changed. The stories that show up, you know, in the news feeds on Google, have totally changed. They've totally recalibrated. They have different fact checkers now. So pretty much any news that is right of center is now being suppressed on Google in terms of their search results. Now, beyond that, anything pro-Trump or positive Trump accomplishments or anything like that is downgraded in their search algorithm. That's apparent to anybody who just searches Google and can see the difference between 2016 and 2020. So those things are actually Probably the most damaging, but in terms of what they're willing to do, you know, the suppression methods they have just of being able to have you essentially shut down and people not be able to see your message without you even realizing it is immense. They, you know, on one hand said they didn't what's called shadow banning, but we now have proof that they've done that.
1: Robbie, what can be done by uh, average Americans, if you will, and also by the legislators? Because I know Senator Cruz and Senator Hawley uh, today talked about, and they're apparently they're going to subpoena Jack, uh, uh, Jack Dempsey over at uh, Twitter. Uh, so what, what is your sense about what can be done from a legislative standpoint, and also just from a regular ordinary American standpoint?
5: Yeah, so I, I love Ted Cruz, love Holly. Um, you know, Cruz is a fellow Cuban American like me, so I've got a lot of love for these guys. I'd say Holly understands tech, uh, the tech, in, you know, big tech in general better than anybody in the Senate. But there is an issue here. Next Friday is when they're talking about subpoenaing him, and I think that that's far too late, far too late. We need to get this on the books as soon as possible. And if they can push that sooner, they need to, because we are 19 days from election day. And a subpoena is not going to scare them off from what they're doing. We need to go much further than that. So step one is for average people, reach out to Senator Wicker's office. Okay, Senator Wicker, he has the ability to get Nathan Symington confirmed to the FCC. That's huge. He could be the deciding vote on what happens with Section 230. Section 230 is what tech companies, essentially social media companies, have been hiding behind for the past you know, five years, saying that they're not actually publishers, they're just a platform. They are publishers. They prove it every day. They're editorializing every day. You need to look no further than what they did yesterday or what they're doing in the trending tabs, controlling trending topics to suppress things that could be positive for the president.
1: So Section 230, and we talked a little bit about it before, but that's a game changer in, in your view as it relates to how Twitter, Facebook, and these social media companies are treated. Yeah.
5: Yep. And getting getting Nathan Symington confirmed is huge because we need that deciding vote to be able to actually take action on Section 230. So, you know, that's one thing. Everybody who follows me knows I'm very critical of the Democratic Party, but sometimes we have to go after our own people and and put a fire under them. And with Senator Wicker, you know, he's been slow walking this, um, you know, and I can't give you a reason for why, but we need this desperately we could be looking at a generation of of republicans losing if we allow big tech to do this steal the election flip it to biden and then biden and a democrat majority in the senate and the house take action that actually i think in reality yeah. big tech will be regulated but they want to be regulated by the democrats because they're going to do it in such a way that it fulfills their ideological spin on what our country should be like
1: Robbie, I got 30 seconds or so here. Uh, what do you think might happen after Election Day? You mentioned something earlier in the interview about concerns about what Twitter and Facebook could be doing after the election happens or even during the election. What, what's, what's your worst case scenario here, 30 seconds or less?
5: So they quietly instituted new rules, allowing them to essentially on election night, if you say if it looks like Trump won that night and you say Trump won the election, he was reelected, they could not only suspend your account, they could ban your account, but they'll definitely be hiding what you say. And those are new rules they instituted. You're not allowed to say that Trump won. You're not allowed to make any proclamations or try to get people out to do anything yeah. or protest um, if, in fact, that's what happened. So these rules could right. apply to every right in media and your average normal person. So be aware of that. You raise Thanks, your voices Robbie. now. How can I have them heard then?
1: You're great up against the heartbreak. Love to have you on next time as well. Back in the minute. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right, uh, look, he is, uh, boy, so many different things. I mean, he is a Navy SEAL, a former governor. Uh, he's done so much under the sun and now He's anchoring a new show coming to Just the News right here on Real America's Voice it's called Actionable Intelligence joining me now in studio in person. What's your Oh, no,
2: Eric Wrighten Gr- Eric great to see you. David honored to be on with you. It's really cool. The water cooler's taken off, man. This well, is, it's a it's a great show. It's a great show. The people who we've been talking with are saying they're watching, they're tuning in. You guys are having a lot of fun. Well, it looks great.
1: We we've really enjoyed it, and uh, I'll just let my family. My family's not watching, but that's okay. <laughs> no, I'll tell. I'll tell them to watch. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, so let's talk about this new show. Yes. Uh, t- tell us what we're what to expect, and uh, you know this is going to be a big deal.
2: So actionable intelligence is starting on Real America's Voice, just like the water cooler. there's big partnership between Just the News and Real America's Voice and people can watch it every night at 6 p.m. Eastern. Mm -hmm. It's going to be on every night at 6 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, we're going to put clips out on social media so people can get the latest. But really, what you're going to get every night is that you're going to get news. You're going to get insight into what's happening, insight that matters to you. And you're also, I think and I, I hope every day, going to leave with a real sense of hope. I mean, this is a country that was founded on and has been held together by the incredible courage of so many Americans over generations, and it's still there. The mainstream media doesn't often cover it, but we're going to shine a big, bright spotlight on it that I think is
1: going to help people leave and walk away with a real sense of hope. You know, you are a Navy SEAL, not a a former Navy SEAL. I I will never say that, (laughs) though I kind of just did, but I didn't mean it. Uh, Look, you're a Navy SEAL and actionable intelligence. Tell me a little bit about kind of the DNA of the title and where you're coming from on it, because uh, what did actionable intelligence mean as a Navy SEAL in terms of how this show might come to fruition and and come about? So
2: look, uh, the idea, of a Navy SEAL Mm -hmm. is that you're a Sea, Air and Land Commando. You're part of America's Special Operations Forces and one of the great honors of being in that community is that you work with incredible men and women. Just some of the very best men and women from this country and you're put in place and asked to do some incredible things. Well the fact is Americans across the country, every day they're facing challenges, they've got missions in front of them, they've got things that they need Mm -hmm. to attack. And the idea behind actionable intelligence was that as you're facing a mission, as you're facing a challenge, this was intelligence that wasn't just given to you about something that might be happening in the world. This was stuff that could help you to achieve your mission. In the same way, we want to be able to bring people a perspective on the world that, of course, we're going to bring them the headlines and the big news, but we're also going to bring them insight. We're also gonna show them how their fellow Americans are attacking, dealing with, and overcoming real problems. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna bring them a sense of hope. Uh, You know, I think one of the things you've been talking about on the show, and that we've found too, is that this is a tough time for a lot of American families. And what we know, certainly you learn going through the SEAL teams, is that, you know what, on the other side of pain, there is wisdom. Mm -hmm. On the other side of suffering, there is strength if you deal with fear in the right way you can actually build courage and so one of the things that we want to do is bring that same sensibility into people's homes
1: and share some time with them every evening and we're really looking forward to it well you know not just with the navy seal background but the as a former governor uh... in missouri it just seems to me that you have not just military experience, but with government experience and to be able to kind of explain to folks how they can be actionable in their own lives based on some of the experiences that that you've had uh, and kind of bring all of that kind of full circle. You know, I I have been uh, really
2: blessed in my life, David, to have had some opportunities to to do some incredible things in service, You know, in the Navy SEAL teams, uh, as a governor, did a lot of humanitarian work um, overseas, worked with people who'd lost their homes, worked with people who were hungry, worked with people who were facing disease and deprivation. And in all of these situations, what, again, I was blessed to do was to work with some great teams who found ways, no matter how hard the situation was, to make it through. And we want to bring that same sensibility. Again, I'll use my experience, but I'm also going to bring in a great team of people, just like we solved every mission Mm -hmm. in the SEAL teams, doing humanitarian work as governor. It takes a team. And so on actionable intelligence, what you're going to see Certainly they'll see me every night, but they're also going to see a lot of the folks who are going to bring it and we're going to have some great guests. Yeah. We're going to have other Navy SEALs, Green Berets, Rangers. We'll have some MMA fighters. We'll have oh my moms gosh. who are we'll have moms who are doing incredible things in really difficult situations in homeschool environments. We're going to bring people real stories that again I think are going to help them to leave with a sense of
1: of, of hope. Now, you have a lot of experience, and you know, here at The Water Cooler, we do our research. And we know that there's more experience that you have, including Hollywood. (laughs) Have a look. This is your life, Eric Greitens. I'm
2: Eric Greitens. I'm the founder and CEO of The Mission
1: Continues. Instead of doing that thing that a lot of movies tend to do, which is when the movie's done, you sort of kind of connect it with an organization. I mean, there, there you are. Can you tell us about that Star Trek? I'm sitting with a movie star.
2: Well, I I, I I, 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 I
1: wouldn't go that far.
2: But first, we had a lot of fun. Um, You saw there J.J. Abrams, the director of Star Trek. Great honor. He wanted to use, there's all of this promotion around big movies. And he said, let's take an opportunity to use all of this press and publicity for a good purpose. And he wanted to help to honor and support this generation of veterans. Mm -hmm. When I, I came back from Iraq after my team had been hit by a suicide car bomb, And I worked with a lot of returning wounded and disabled veterans. JJ reached out to us. He asked us if I would bring a team of returning wounded and disabled veterans to actually be part of the show. And it was so much fun, David. One of the greatest experiences to be there. One of the guys who, who you just had on that tape there, the day he was filming, he's in the Star Trek movies, part of the honor guard, was what we call your alive day. It was the day three or four years after he'd been hit severely by a suicide truck bomb in Iraq, and I said to him, "I said, did you ever imagine that four years later you'd be here on the Hollywood set of Star Trek?" And it it just—it's another wonderful indication of the way that like good people find ways to do courageous, compassionate, and fun. Things together. That
1: was, that was a ton of fun. We had I, a really good time. I got there. about 30 seconds yeah. or so, but it really does seem like people's stories and, and people's lives are really going to be the focus of all of this. Yeah, look, and we're going to be able to, to look back also at American history. We have
2: such an incredibly rich history, which is replete with these stories of courage and compassion and kindness where people have been able to make it through. And I think if we look back at that history, we can look back with pride and forward with confidence very
1: nice actionable intelligence debuting this coming monday This coming monday yes sir on real america's voice just the news.com network all right thanks erica appreciate it all right when we come back the last sip now we can only hope that it's not censored because i'm going to talk about the new york post article so if it's not hopefully it's not censored if not i'll see you later who knows where i am Welcome back to The Last Sip. All right, some analysis for you. It has to do with Twitter and conservatives and Facebook and all that stuff, that New York Post article that got censored. That's right. Here, uh, I'm just going to, you know what, let me just hold this up. Can I just hold this up the whole time? Uh, It got censored, and and Twitter's just been out of control with conservatives, quite frankly. Uh, And Ted Cruz and some senators have had enough. They're going to bring the CEO of Twitter in and subpoena him. Have a look.
2: The New York Post broke a second story of a series of emails that indicate yet more corruption, in this instance, the Biden family receiving millions of dollars from communist China government officials. Just minutes ago, I tried to share that story on Twitter. And Twitter is actively blocking, right now this instance, stories from the New York Post, alleging corruption and the biden family receiving millions of dollars from communist china this is election interference and we are 19 days out from an election it has no precedent in the history of democracy the senate judiciary committee wants to know what the hell is going on
1: whoa that's a big word here ted cruz take my sign censored hello here i am look uh censored new york post Kayleigh McEnany. team trump they're all been censored that's it, Twitter has nothing, that's, that's what Twitter's gonna do. Look, the, ma- the media says the truth matters, but Joe Biden keeps repeating a major lie on Twitter. Now, has he been censored at all? No, that's been totally debunked. Here's the lie I'm talking about. Biden keeps saying that President Trump refers to neo-Nazis as some very fine people. No, he didn't. One million percent, it's untrue, and yet Twitter doesn't take any of that down. They didn't censor Joe Biden at all. Ridiculous, it's still up on Twitter. Trump was talking about others in Charlottesville that were there to protest the removal of those Confederate statues. As a matter of fact, here's what he said. I wanna read it to you. This is Trump speaking. I'm not gonna do it in his voice, but here's what he said. You had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very important statue and renaming of a park. You had people, and here's what he says. I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? Anyhow, that's Trump. He has said this verbatim and millions of times, and yet, boom, Biden is never censored, even though it's up on Twitter all the time. Back in a moment. And welcome back, everybody, to The Water Cooler. All right, uh, our last segment, the the JustTheNews.com segment. So we want to get the latest from JustTheNews.com. And there's so much going on on the site, but Carrie Sheffield is here with with a few stories. The one story that really was interesting that you uh, had up on the site today was Mm -hmm. red state versus blue state when it comes to COVID-19 and economically what's happening. Explain a little bit about that. Right,
3: exactly. So we calculated the unemployment rates for states based on who they voted for in the last four elections for president. So the states that were red states that have voted for the Republican president in the past four elections, there was an unemployment rate of just over 6%, but among the blue states, it was over 10%. Hmm. So there is a big gap there. We're talking recession level unemployment in the blue states, uh, compared to much more normal levels in the red states. And I Mm -hmm. spoke to economic experts, uh, including Monica Crowley, who's over at the Treasury Department, uh, as well as other folks, uh, economic scholars. Um, And and before that, actually, in May, I had interviewed Kevin Hassett, who was President Trump's former chief economic advisor. Mm -hmm. um, And he said in May, I am noticing that the red state's governors are opening things up a lot sooner. I expect we're going to see that later on. Flash forward now here to October, we are seeing that indeed by looking at these numbers of unemployment that are much lower in the red states. Mm. One caveat I will put out there uh, from an economic expertise book, with, which is worth mentioning, is the fact that even pre-COVID, the Republican governors were doing better overall anyway. Mm -hmm. So maybe some of this is just a continuation of that.
1: Yeah, they would say because we're a Republican state or a Republican governor, but but I'm curious about Just the News has a really interesting part of their site called Dig In, Mm -hmm. and this kind of reminds me of that Dig In portion of it because, you know, the mainstream media, you're not going to see that type of calculation, if you will, into unemployment. They're not going to do a lot of that, but, but doing the hard work behind the story makes a difference in terms of accuracy and truth.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, and, and even for this methodology in particular, we did a weighted average based on population. Because if you're just looking at the straight line Bureau of Labor Statistics, it's not going to give you enough. It's got to be adjusted slightly based on the weighting for the populations. Mm-hmm. So yes, the type of dig in that we pride ourselves on, that John Solomon, our editor in chief, always demands of us is we put the information out there for people so they can make the decisions themselves instead of making analysis and putting claims out there that are based on our own opinion. We are just the news instead.
1: Speaking of Just the News, Just the News AM, your new, brand new, spanking, brand new show. (laughs) You having
3: fun? Absolutely. Yeah, no, we have a great team. We love having you on the show whenever you can join us. I'll
1: I'll be there. If I'm not on my couch eating Doritos, (laughs) I'll be there.
3: (laughs) Or just join us from your couch in Skype.
1: Okay, though that might (laughs) not potentially be possible. A lot of reasons (laughs) for that. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks. Tomorrow on the show, Kirk Cameron. Google him. Teen heartthrob Back in tomorrow.